Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, guys? Happy Thanksgiving to all of those that celebrate. And, uh, you know, here it is. It's Turkey Day. It's, it's week number 12, which means the season is just dwindling in front of us, man. And uh, no bye weeks uh, this week. The NFL... Uh, it's got everybody playing, so we got 16 games, which means we actually have a six-game pick six. We got 10 games in our all-out blitz as per usual, and uh, the only thing I'm going to bring to you guys in the news and notes is the pick standings. I'm actually going to try to get this one, get you in and out uh, on this one so you can get back to your uh, holiday, so you can get to your uh, you know, Thanksgiving football viewing uh, and everything, so let's go ahead and get started. This is the Week 12 preview episode of the fourth phase, so let's get to it. Welcome to the fourth phase, presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. Week number 12, and uh, man, we're already here. I mean, it's it's literally like next Thursday, or sat next Friday, excuse me. Next Friday is December 1st. We're already in the home stretch of 2023. I mean, it, it's crazy how fast this year has gone by. And I know that's something that people say every single year, but when you're thinking about... Someone like me, I started my year in a rehab hospital because I spent the last six weeks of 2022 um, recovering from emergency surgery. Uh, I had a, um, a, an infection that I had to have cut out of me. That's how bad it was. And, um, you know, to, to think that this coming Monday when the Bears and the Vikings play on Monday night football, that will be the not so much to the day, but the one-year anniversary of the day that I went into the hospital with that infection. I went to the emergency room thinking that I would have to, you know, that I might have to stay in the hospital overnight to get a few rounds of antibiotics to to kill the infection. And instead, uh, about six hours and, uh, you know, a CAT scan or an MRI or whatever it was that they performed on me, I'm being rushed off to uh, nearby University of Iowa Hospital to have uh, emergency surgery done to... uh, essentially saved my life. And, uh, cause if I'd, if I'd have waited another day or two, which is originally what I wanted to do, I wanted to see if the infection would, would go away. Uh, I might not be here right now. So it's, uh, pretty crazy that not only are the bears playing on, you know, basically essentially the one year anniversary of the day that I went into the hospital. I'm also, as you guys may or may not know, cause I've been talking about it a lot, going to be in, uh, Rosemont, Illinois for the kisses last show. Uh, ever in the Chicagoland uh, area. So uh, I won't be watching the game live because I'll be at the show. 
Uh, definitely don't regret that at all. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to to that and uh, to celebrating this anniversary in, in quite the positive way. And, and this time around, not finishing my my year in a hospital, uh, in a hospital bed away from my family. And because I was in in the hospital uh, for Christmas and New Year's uh, last year, you know, I was sitting in, in a in a bed in the in the, in a acute rehab center. Um, the moment that the the night struck midnight, when uh, Georgia and Ohio State played that awesome game at the Sugar Bowl, I think it was last year, amazing. So, anyway, all that aside, it's amazing everything that's changed uh, in the last year. My 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 job, my living situation, the whole nine yards. It's everything everything is different uh, right now. So, uh, as we go headlong into a, a, the, the ending of another year and a beginning uh, of a new one. There's a lot. There's a lot to be thankful for on this this holiday where it is tradition to give thanks, and I give thanks to you. You guys uh, listen to this show, uh, the the fourth phase. You listen to the Bears talk underground. You give me a reason to to keep doing these shows each and every week, year in uh, and year out. So uh, I really appreciate that. So let's go ahead and and dive into our uh, pick'em game. That's the only thing I'm bringing in the news and notes uh, this week. Uh, Fields of Dreams still hanging on to the top spot, 108 and 56. So we broke the century mark, as did the first eight players in the top 10 uh, this week. Uh, still on top at 914. Uh, JoJo at 905 is in second place, 106 and 58 is his record. Off of Lava, there's still like another like steep drop from second to third. Uh, 12 points, though, so it's getting shorter. Uh, 12 points, Alpha Lava 893 on a 103 and 61 uh, record. CA Zoid with an impressive 106 and 58 record, but only 882 uh, in the points to show for it. Good for fourth, though. Agent Orange Jerseys 879 at 104 and 60. Uh, S Van Horn 876 at 164, as in 100 wins, 64 losses. Tanyoka also at 164. Uh, McCubin at 164, but S and S Van Horn at 876 in sixth place. Tanyoka at 869, nice at uh, in seventh place. McCubin still in eighth place at 867. There's me, the first person without 100 wins so far. 96 and 68 at 853 in number nine, and Secret Bajet Man right behind me at 851 on a 97 and 67 record so far so i hey i have the worst win-loss record in the top 10 hip hip hooray you know good for me Uh, as far as week number 11 goes let's find out who our weekly champ was and it was secret bajant man with 86 points uh in week number 11 had a couple of people nipping at his heels uh, afalava at 82 ca zoid at 83 uh, myself and Agent Orange Jerseys had 80, Tanyoka at 81, and also Bear Down South uh, had 83 as well. So, you know, I started off pretty strong because I went all in on the Bears. No, actually, was that the Bears? No, no, no. I'm, I'm thinking about Week 10. I went all in on the Bears uh, beating the uh, beating the Panthers. But, uh, yeah, and, and actually... I'm actually kind of disappointed that I scored 80 points because I had 10 on the Lions. And the, with 56 minutes gone in that game, the Bears had 
a 12 point lead and they managed to historically piss it away uh, right before my very eyes. So I would have been happy to only have 70, which I'd have, actually would have put me somewhere near the bottom uh, of the week this week. And, uh, but I'd have been fine with it, but we didn't get the win. So, oh, well, so we'll see how it goes with the Vikings, uh, on Monday. I'll probably find out how the game went before I actually get to sit down, uh, and watch it because I'll probably check my phone on the way, uh, back home after the uh, show on Monday night. I'm really jazzed, uh, about it. So, but I won't bother you guys with a review of the concert. (laughs) Or anything like that, I promise. So, anyway, that's all we got for the Pick'em Standing. Let's go ahead and dive right into the show. And as we do in our preview episodes, we begin with the All Out Blitz. Week number 12, All Out Blitz. We start in Detroit on Thanksgiving, the early game. Detroit has won three in a row since their devastating loss to Baltimore, and they're looking to complete the season sweep of Green Bay and bury their playoff chances. Give me the Lions on Thursday. Washington at Dallas in the mid-game on Thanksgiving. The Commanders have lost four of their last five and seven of nine since starting 2-0, and Sam Howell is going to need to be next-level good to get past the Cowboys on Thursday. Good luck with that. Give me the Cowboys. Miami at the Jets on Black Friday. When the schedule came out in May, this was supposed to be a marquee matchup between Tua and Aaron Rodgers. Instead, it'll be Tua versus Tim Boyle. Advantage Dolphins. Give me Miami. It's Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. The Steelers came up short against Cleveland's backup quarterback on Sunday. Now we get to see what the offense looks like without the much maligned Matt Canada calling the plays. Give me the Steelers over the Burrowless Bengals. Carolina at Tennessee. I'd imagine that the viewing audience for this game will be as small as anything that any can, that can be. I'll take the Titans so we can just move on. Tampa Bay at Indianapolis. The Colts have won two in a row, but over Carolina and New England. Call me crazy, but I like Baker and the Bucks in this one. New England at the Giants. In this one, we get the epic quarterback matchup of Bailey Zappi versus Tommy DeVito, and I only have one question. What the hell do we do deserve this? Give me the Giants. Rams at Cardinals. The Rams completed the season sweep last week, which accounts of half accounts for half their wins so far this year. And with Kyler Murray uh, back at quarterback, the Cardinals are plucky again. I still like the Rams. Kansas City at Las Vegas. The Raiders are playing inspired football under Antonio Pierce, going two and one since the change. But they're going to need a lot more than inspiration to get past the pissed-off Chiefs after losing to Philly on Monday. Give me KC. And finally, on Sunday Night Football, Baltimore at the Chargers. The Ravens come into L.A. on 10 days rest and as the number one seed in the AFC. Meanwhile, the Chargers lost to Green Bay last week and are going to be going without Joey Bosa, who's on IR with a foot injury. Give me the Ravens. And there you have it. Our 10 all-out blitz ball games and my picks. Let's go ahead and get to the meat of the sandwich, if you will. It is the pick six for week number 12. Pick six for week number 12. For the first time in I don't know how long, we actually have six games uh, in the pick six. And uh, we start uh, with the late game. Uh, on Thanksgiving, San Francisco at Seattle. The 49ers at 7-3. and three. 
Seattle at six and four, and this is the first of three pick six games that are for first place uh, in the division. Because if Seattle wins, they will effectively be in first place uh, in the NFC West. And uh, we've got two more games. Actually, our next two games we'll talk about here in a moment will also have first place on the line. And uh, the 49ers have a stranglehold on the division for now. Uh, they surrendered it to Seattle during their three-game uh, losing streak. Um, and they lost two out of three. Or excuse me, the Seahawks have lost two out of three since uh, getting destroyed uh, in Baltimore, like 37-3 to or 38-3 to or something crazy uh, like that. And uh, also had a fourth-quarter collapse in L.A. and still had a chance to win. Uh, in the final moments, but Jason Meyer hooked a uh, 55-yard field goal wide right uh, in that one. Uh, the the 49ers, on the other hand, have not only uh, ended their losing streak, which they started 5-0, and they lost three straight, and then they went on the bye. Coming off the bye, they're back to their old dominant sales. I mean, it doesn't hurt that they're getting guys back as well. Uh, you know, they got... Um, Trent Williams uh, back uh, in the lineup. Debo Samuel uh, is back. And apparently they also brought Brock Purdy's brain uh, as well because Purdy has thrown for 626 yards, six touchdowns, and no interceptions. During that three-game losing streak, he was turning the ball over all over the place. Fumbles, interceptions, uh, you name it. And, and you know, wowie-zowie, we get rid of the uh, – we get rid of the turnovers, and all of a sudden, the 49ers are the most frightening team uh, in the league again. And, uh, you know, a 34-3 win over Jacksonville, a 27-14 trouncing of the Buccaneers last uh, weekend. And and here we are, you know, their opponent, the uh, the Seahawks, uh, you know, two very un- – in, in, they've lost two out of their last three and both very in, in very Im- unimpressive fashion. They got murdered by Baltimore three weeks ago. Uh, they got a win uh, in there somewhere. Actually, let me stop and and <laughs> find out who it was against real quick or to remember. Right, it was the Commanders, and they needed a last second. This was one of the six games where the game ended in the final moments uh, for the field goal, uh, and they needed a, a field goal from Myers at the, at the final gun to beat the Commanders uh, two weeks ago, and then Myers came up short in the end. He wasn't the hero. He was the anti-hero. Uh, against the uh, against the Rams, so it's got thirty seven to three loss, skin of their teeth win over the Commanders, and then uh, you know had the game, had an opportunity to win the game, and they blew it uh, against the uh, Rams. So you know, like I said, I'm gonna try to kind of get you guys in and out on uh, on this one, but I could talk about this game uh, quite a bit, you know. But it's when you really get down to it. Um, Seattle is six and four, but it's not an impressive six and four. San Francisco, uh, their seven wins are about as dominant as possibly it can be. At worst, they should be eight and two because they should have won that game uh, in Cleveland. They had the chance as well, missed a field goal at the end. They should have won that game in Cleveland, but nonetheless, um, you know, even though this game is in Seattle, I still like the 49ers uh, all day. Uh, in this one, <laughs> New Orleans at Atlanta. Thanks to the constant mediocrity in the NFC South, the five and five Saints and the four and six Falcons are playing for thir- are playing for first place uh, on Sunday. So yeah, 
So despite uh, Atlanta losing three in a row, uh, they they are playing for first place on Sunday because they're only one game back uh, against the Saints. This is their first matchup uh, of the year. They meet again to close out the season in Week 18. Uh, the Falcons actually probably should be in first place, but they've had the least clutch defense in the league over the last you know month or so. Uh, because they lost that game on the final drive to the uh, Vikings uh, a couple of weeks ago when they let Josh Dobbs throw a touchdown pass uh, in the final moment. Uh, they had gotten beaten by the Will Levis-led uh, 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 Titans uh, the week before that when they were wearing the uh, Euler uh, unis. That's blasphemy, if you ask me. And uh, then this past weekend... They had the lead over Arizona and allowed the Cardinals and Kyler Murray to drive down the field to kick the field goal uh, at the final buzzer. So for the second week in a row, and I think I mentioned this last week, two weeks in a row, the Falcons screwed me over on the final drive uh, of the game. They let the Vikings score uh, the touchdowns as they got the win there, and then they let Kyler Murray drive down the field and kick the field goal. This should be a 6-4 and team with them in first place. Uh, right now and instead they've lost three in a row and and as, as I said last week one more soul crushing than the other and uh, here we are I mean the Falcons have lost they started two and zero, oh, and they're four and six which means they've gone two and six since beating Green Bay in week two so it's uh it hasn't been a good look and those two wins you know they they should have lost them both they, they that 16 13 win they eked out over the Buccaneers and that, I mean, granted, they earned it because they put the drive together to move down the field. But, you know, a couple of weeks prior to that, they lost to the, they beat the Texans um, because the defense couldn't stop Ritter and company from getting that field goal. So I'm not saying they didn't earn these wins. I'm just saying that they could have, they could easily be two and eight right now with the way that they've been waffling uh, at the end of football games. So, because they started two and oh with those wins over the Panthers and the Packers. Those wins have gotten worse looking the further you get away from them because, uh, you know, neither Carolina or Green Bay are very good uh, this season. Then when they played good teams in the Lions and the Jaguars, they got crushed 20-6 to and 23-7. to They were in a dogfight with the Texans, who were at the time still trying to figure themselves out. Uh, they lose to the Commanders at home. And then they 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 earn first place by beating the Buccaneers, but ever since taking first place, they've lost three straight. As I mentioned, the Titans, the Vikings, and the Cardinals. They're at home for this game uh, against the Saints, and it's just like, I mean, Desmond Ritter is back at quarterback because Tyler Haneke uh, got hurt, so we're back to Desmond Ritter uh, again, who was benched. By the way, it's not like he got hurt and Heineke was playing, and now that Heineke's hurt, we got to throw Desmond Ritter back in there. It's no. <laughs> Heineke was supposed to be the starter for the rest of the year, and now here comes Desmond Ritter because he absolutely uh, has to. So, um, you know, the, the, the Saints, on the other hand, I think they're coming off a bye, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember them playing last week. I'm pretty sure they were on the, on the bye. Yes, they were. They were because it, it shows their last game was against the Vikings and the Vikings played the Broncos last week. So they were on the they're coming off the bye, so they got two weeks rest and ready to uh, extend their lead in the division. Um, 
like I said, this is this is this is gimme football here as far as like one of these teams has to win so that they can be the sacrificial lamb in the wild card round uh, of the playoffs where they're granted the opportunity to host uh, a playoff game only to get their asses kicked in front of their own people because this is this is not gonna just like it did for for Brady and the Bucks when they won the division at eight and nine last year it's gonna be just as ugly for whoever uh, manages to come out ahead uh, in the NFC South right now. I like the uh, Saints, so I'll take the Saints over the Falcons, even though the Falcons have been pretty tough at home. I, I just don't trust Desmond Ritter uh, and that offense. And frankly, I don't trust Arthur Smith because I don't think he's really taking advantage of the three top ten picks that he's got playing football for him right now. He's got Kylie Pitt, Kyle Pitts. He's got Drake London. He's got B. John Robinson. He's not using any of them. Uh, properly, and he's supposed to be some kind of offensive genius. That's how he got the gig in Atlanta was because he was doing great things with Tannehill uh, in Tennessee. So, yeah, give me the uh, the Saints in this one. I'm not going to put a high point point total on. I just trust them more than I trust the uh, than I trust the Falcons right now. <laughs> and our third and final first place battle, we have Jacksonville at Houston. When the season started. Who thought this game was going to be for first place on, you know, the Thanksgiving weekend, twelfth uh, game of the season or eleventh for these two teams because they've already had their buys. That Jacksonville would be seven and three and Houston would be six and four. I don't think anybody would have picked Houston to be six and four except maybe you know D'Amico Ryan's of all people. But uh, yeah, C.J. Stroud and the Texans are six and two since starting zero and two in this one, a run that began. With their first matchup against the uh, against the Jaguars in like week four, week five, something like that. Let me pull this up real quick. But it was a thirty-seven to seventeen win. It was week three actually. So as they started zero and two. So yeah, do the math, Larry. Um, yeah, week three in Jacksonville. So obviously this one is going to be uh, in Houston. Back that up by smashing the Steelers. 30 to 6 and then as you heard me mention ago that's when they they went into Atlanta and lost to the Falcons at at, at the moment they they drove the field CJ Stroud got him the win and it was the defense that ended up letting him down uh in that one then they beat the Saints uh in New Orleans f- I, you know fell ill against the Panthers like this out of all their losses that's the one I can't explain they lost week 1 to Baltimore I think everyone saw that coming they, uh, you know, were they kind of got worked over by Anthony Richardson early and weren't able to dig themselves out of the hole. But that was the game where you started to see the early uh, indication that C.J. Stroud was going to be legit because the everyone was pleased he didn't turn the ball over uh, against uh, the the Ravens uh, in Week One. But it was in Week Two where you, he's he put it together a good passing game, still hadn't thrown any interceptions, and then. Week three against the Jaguars was kind of a combination of Houston outplaying the Jags and the Je- the Texans getting some lucky breaks, like when uh, their um, their fullback was one of the upmen on a kickoff return, got like an errant kick from the Jaguars and ran it, went from one side of the field to the other. He was let alone one sideline by the time he had worked his way over to the other sideline, ran it in for an eighty five yard touchdown. That was the kind of day it was for Houston, where they caught the breaks, the Jaguars couldn't get one, and um, you know 
It's interesting. So the uh, Jags are 6-1 and one since that loss to Houston with their only loss coming against the 49ers uh, when they decided to uh, wake up from their slumber, uh, if you will. They bounced back from that loss to destroy the Titans this past Sunday, uh, like something like 34-14 to 14, uh, or something like that. And uh, it's, it's interesting going into this game because C.J. Stroud is playing – Lights out uh, right now, you know, and their two losses against the Falcons and the Panthers both happened on buzzer beater field goals. So if they're a little bit luckier, they're actually on an eight and O tear right now. And they're, uh, they're the, they're the first place team. Hell, they would be the number one seed in the AFC at eight and two. Their winning percentage would put them ahead of the Ravens right now. That's insane. If, if Yang Weiku and uh, Andy Pinero missed their field goals for uh, Atlanta and Carolina, respectively, the Texans are in first place, and they're the number one seed in the AFC. That's bananas. So, I mean, that's it's crazy to even think about uh, that way. So, you know, they beat the Buccaneers. That was the game where they broke my heart by scoring the touchdown at the last moment. Then they did it again the following week in Cincinnati, uh, you know, two weeks in a row, they screwed me over by scoring touchdowns in games I thought they would lose. Uh, had to hang on last week against the uh, Cardinals because all, all of a sudden with Kyler Murray back, they're they're scrappy uh, again. They come away with the win there. And, you know, they got this game against the Jags, then they're home for the Broncos, then at the Jets, at the Titans, and then finish out the season. Home for Cleveland, home for the tennis. So they got that Tennessee Cleveland sandwich going on because I got Tennessee, Cleveland, Tennessee, and then close out the year in uh, Indianapolis. So, yeah, not the most frightening schedule. I mean, the Texans could really put something together here. And if they can get this win today, they would have essentially a two-and-a-half or three-game lead on the Jaguars because they would have swept the uh, swept the season series. So, you know, like I said, the Jags are playing good football they're on a 6 and 1 run since that first matchup losing uh to the Texans and their only loss is to a team that's likely going to represent the NFC uh in the Super Bowl if they can get past the Eagles in the playoffs uh this year but you know they had won 5 in a row before losing that game uh to the 49ers and while their wins weren't impressive they were impressive in the fact that they found ways to win all 5 uh of those games you know, they kind of just, they turned uh, the Falcons over on their head, had a pick six in that one. It was more of a defensive effort for them, winning 23-7. Uh, to seven. The Bills the following week, also in London, uh, you know, 25-20. to 20, They forced some turnovers out of, uh, out of Josh Allen. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence and, and, and the offense got the job done there. Then they blow out the Colts the week after to finish the season sweep on them. They get out in front early on against the Saints and then ended up having to hold on uh, to win that one in the end. And then in a, a mucky, rainy, messy uh, Pittsburgh uh, Heinz Field or whatever the hell they're calling it these days, um, they beat the Steelers 20-10 to 10, um, before they went on the bye, only to you know get two weeks preparation to play the 49ers and never showed up in that one. But as I mentioned before, they redeemed themselves by doing what good teams do when they play bad teams 
they squashed the bug that was the Tennessee Titans, and they really did, 34-14. to 14. And that last touchdown was a garbage touchdown on a gimmick play uh, to, uh, to Simmons, the defensive tackle uh, for, the, uh, for the Titans. So it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe they just did it to make sure that the whole sideline was watching because the fat guy is going to score a touchdown if you watch kind of thing. But uh, nonetheless, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things. Like, I mean, I'm going to be really interested in this game, especially since it'll be an easy game for me to watch because the Bears aren't playing. So I can pretty much watch anything I want to uh, on Sunday. And this is definitely one that I'm going to be keyed in on because first place is on the line. And both teams are playing really good football. Right now, they're finding different ways to win games uh, and all that kind of stuff. The, the, the offense for the Texans is electric with C.J. Stroud and Tank Dell and, uh, you know, the various weapons that they have, Damian Pierce and, and whatnot, uh, running the football. So, you know, right now I'm, I'm feeling the Texans. I don't know if I'm going to stick with that. I got until Sunday before kickoff to change my mind. I'll let you know if I do. But right now I'm going with the Texans. I like them to take the sweep and and be in first place uh, come Monday morning. <laughs> game number four for our pick six, Cleveland at Denver. Our first game here that uh, first place is not on the line uh, in this one. Both teams need this game though, which is why I put it in our featured section. The Browns are seven and three. The Broncos are five and five. But uh, they were one and four not too long ago, and have in fact won four in a row to uh, to get to this point to to make this a game that was uh, that's noteworthy uh, because of Cleveland's current quarterback situation. You can't write off the Browns, or excuse me, you can't write off the bang uh, the Bengals. I will say the right name, the Broncos. God damn it, the Broncos! You can't write them off, even though they're about as the they're the like the least trustworthy team uh out there uh right now just because they they still do foolish things they make things as difficult on themselves as they possibly can you know they're on this four game winning streak they 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 kind of hold on and outlast the packers uh 5 weeks ago they dominate the chiefs that's like their one really solid win so far uh this year they should have lost in buffalo but the bills it wasn't that the Bills couldn't get out of their own way. It was that they wouldn't get out of their own way. You know, the pass interference that sets up the field goal and then a 12-man-on-the-field penalty after they missed the first field goal attempt, giving them another crack at it and five, make it five yards shorter. And then, uh, you know, Will Lutz puts it through to uh, win the game for them. And then there at the end, last Sunday, the touchdown pass from... Uh, uh, Russell Wilson to Cortland Sutton to uh, take the lead in the final moments there uh, to to basically grab uh, victory from the jaws of defeat uh, on Sunday night uh, football. I mean, they're going to make it interesting for you. And, uh, yeah, three of their four wins on this winning streak are two points or less. 19-17, 24-22, 21-20. So they like those nail-biting finishes and uh, – you know they're playing against the against the Browns, who ha- obviously have this this all world uh, defense. Held the um, Steelers to ten points uh, last Sunday, which is great because they only scored thirteen 
But thanks to that defense, it was enough to uh, to come away with the win on Sunday. They are on a three-game winning streak. They've won five of their last six, starting with that 49er win uh, I talked about uh, before. They eked out another one over the Colts the following week. Went to the went to Seattle and lost the football game, which is fine because most people lose when they go to uh, Seattle. They squashed the uh, Cardinals twenty-seven to nothing, but uh, they got to give me in that one. I think that was the game where Clayton Tune uh, got thrown out of there. So yeah, big surprise that uh, the the all-world defense was able to shut out a fifth-round rookie uh, quarterback. Man, that game over the Ravens was really something else. You know, unfortunately, it was the finale of Deshaun Watson. And for all the flack that he's taken, you know, due to his personal life and and how he's kind of been mediocre this season when he's been healthy enough uh, to play, he was the guy leading the charge on those drives that that brought them back from 24-9 to winning that game at the final moment uh, with the field goal to take that 33-31 uh, victory and uh, you know splitting the season series uh, with the uh, Ravens and uh, then like I said outlasting the Steelers this past Sunday and uh, DTR uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, you know going on that last minute two minute drill uh, drive to set up the uh, game winning field goal for Dustin Hopkins so you know it's it's going to be a game where they're they're going to need to rely on that defense. Maybe even asked, you know, you know, need them to score some points for them. Maybe a a pick six or a scoop and score uh, of some kind. Miles Garrett will get to Russell Wilson uh, once or twice in this game. Possibly uh, strip sack him and maybe turn that uh, into something, or at the very least, give the uh, give the Browns' offense a, a very short field to have to uh, deal with uh, in that one. So, but we'll see. Cleveland needs this win to keep pace. Uh, in the division, Denver needs it to keep keep place in the keep pace in the playoff race, and uh, still on the uh, they're still on the outside. They're currently the tenth seed, so not only do they need to keep winning, they also need to get some help uh, as well. Uh, Russell Wilson's been quietly efficient so far: nineteen touchdowns, only four interceptions, but he has been sacked thirty-two times. That does not bode well with the uh, Browns uh, coming into town. And like I said, the Browns are riding with DTR for the foreseeable future, but they did sign Joe Flacco to the practice squad uh, this week. So whether he's just going to come in and be a mentor or if DTR continues to struggle uh, on offense, then uh, you know maybe you got to go to the old veteran and, and give him a chance to uh, see what he can do uh, with the various weapons that the Browns have. It's like they might be missing Nick Chubb, but they still have – uh, Kareem Hunt, they still have David Njoku, they still have Amari, Carp, Amari Cooper, uh, Peoples-Jones that they got from the, uh, I believe it was the Lions they got a trade uh, for, so they've got plenty uh, to go around. So basically, yeah, they just need a quarterback to kind of bring it all uh, together, and if DTR can't get anything sparked, even with everything he's got in front of him, maybe it is a good idea to give Flacco a shot and let him give it a uh, try. So, But DTR needs to keep mistakes to the minimum, and the uh, defense needs to be uh, disruptive uh, to win here. So, you know, it's going to be another one of those where I might change my pick by the time kickoff uh, comes around. But uh, right now I'm going with the with the Browns. I just, uh, like, I can't get past that defense right now. And granted, Russell Wilson has only thrown four picks 
uh, even with as poorly as the team played uh, in the first five, six games uh, of the season. I don't think he's going to throw like five picks in this one or anything like that, but I definitely like the the ability for the, uh, the, the that Browns defense to be impactful and to do something that's going to uh, to uh, impact the outcome of this game. So give me the Browns for now. <laughs> Buffalo at Philadelphia. Eagles riding high after their win in Kansas City, but call me crazy. They're poised for a letdown. You know, they're playing a team in the Buffalo Bills that is kind of desperate to, uh, you know, kind of desperate for a win to kind of stay relevant because they're on the outside looking in uh, in the AFC playoff race uh, right now. So it's uh, they need a win, and the Eagles have won how many in a row now? One, two, three, four. Four in a row since their one loss to the Jets uh, in week number six. So they're 9-1 and one right now, and, they've, and since losing to New York, they've beaten the Dolphins, the Commanders, the Cowboys, and the Chiefs. Uh, they've kept it kind of close with the, the Commanders. It was another one of those dogfights uh, where they you know, were, were breaking the scoreboard uh, on each other, so they don't play a lot of defense when the Commanders and the uh, Eagles get together. Their first matchup was 34 uh, to 31 that had to go to overtime for the Eagles to win that one. And then the rematch was 38, 31 in Washington. Uh, they, they, they probably should have lost to the Cowboys, but there was some mistakes made a bad read from Dak uh, in that one. Cause I saw one play. It was on a, uh, on a reel on Instagram that, um, you know, he was just like, dude, we should be seven and two. We should be seven and two because uh, on the snap, uh, Dak is looking to the outside. I think he's looking at CD Lamb, so there's a good place to be looking. But the tight end was running wide open uh, down the seam because, like, the play fake froze the linebacker and left their uh, left their tight end running down the middle of the field untouched. So then if Dak sees that, that guy's wide open. He probably walks in for a touchdown, and the Cowboys were down 28-23. to That would have been the game-winning points uh, right there. So, yeah. But, uh, you know, and they come up win. They, they were down 17-7 at the half uh, against the Chiefs. They come back, and they shut out the Chiefs in the second half, get the points that they needed uh, in order to win. I mean, the Eagles' offense always seems to score just enough points to win, regardless of how many points their opponents uh, are scoring. You know, they, uh, they had to score 34 points in Week 2 to hold off the Vikings. That was another one where they kind of, got out in front, far ahead, and then hit cruise control, and the Vikings came roaring back, making it a one-score game by the time it was all said and done. We already talked about the Commanders, 23-14 to over the uh, Rams. The only time they came up short was against the Jets, and that's because Jalen Hurts uh, and the offense kept turning over the ball. So when they don't do that and they hang on to the football, they don't make those mistakes. Uh, beating the Dolphins by 14 is their biggest margin of victory over the last month. Because the Commanders was a one-score game, 38-31. The Cowboys, one-score game, 28-23. And this past Monday against the Chiefs, 21-17. It's like the defense cinching, cinches up exactly when it needs to, and the offense scores just as much, just as, just the, always just enough points uh, to win the uh, football game. You know, and, and the other thing is, Buffalo should be at least two games better than they are. They've blown late leads uh, to, the, to the Patriots, uh, of all teams, and the uh, Broncos just a couple of weeks ago uh, on Monday Night uh, Football. But they did seem to rediscover their offense last week against the Jets, which is no 
small task. I mean, granted, Zach Wilson, you know, giving the ball back constantly because he couldn't get anything going uh, on offense before he was benched. But this was the first time when they scored 32 uh, on Sunday. It was the first time since week seven that they've scored that many points and only the second time over 25 points since week four. And week four was when they won 48 to 20 over the Dolphins. So they have been, you know, really looking to get that offense going uh, once again. And last week's win over a very good defense, scoring 32 points, was a step in the right direction. Will they be able to create that same offensive magic against the Eagles, who can be as stingy as they come? I mean, as you, you know, went through their scores in here, they, they tend to be generous at times, too, and the offense kind of bails them out. You know, but they also can cinch up holding the Rams to 14 points. They held the Buccaneers to 11 uh, earlier in the season, and they held the world champs to 17 this past week. Shut them out in the second half. The defense really got the job done uh, in the second half uh, and everything. Granted, they also caught a couple of breaks because uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling drops a sure touchdown that would have won them the game most likely. And, uh, you know, they do catch a break from time to time. Will their luck run out against Buffalo? a team that's desperate to keep pace in their own division, you know, to keep pace in the playoff race so they can get a shot at the tournament at the end of the season. We'll see. But Buffalo can't afford to have Josh Allen extend his turnover streak. He's got eight interceptions in the last seven games. And, uh, you know, a lot's going to fall on that Buffalo defense to stop the Eagles' offense, you know, because it's not the most prolific offense in the world, but like I said, They're really good at scoring as many points as they need to in order to win uh, a football game. They don't necessarily blow anybody uh, out. Their 31-17 win over the Vikings, or excuse me, over the uh, Dolphins, is about as close to a blowout as they've performed all season long. And that was impressive that they scored 31 points and only allowed 17 to the explosive uh, Dolphins on Sunday night uh, football. So... I, you know, I would not be surprised if Buffalo wins this game, kind of catches the Eagles with their pants down, kind of, you know, kind of feeling themselves a little bit. Also, the, it might be a trap game because the Bills are a good team. They haven't exactly played like it for the last, you know, several weeks, but they are, they do have a lot of tools and a lot of weapons uh, at Josh Allen's uh, disposal. And the, the uh, Cowboys have a meeting with the 49ers next Sunday. So could they be looking past the Bills at the 49ers and, you know, kind of get caught with their hand in the cookie jar type thing? Something to keep your eye on. I still like the Eagles to win this one and to go into that matchup with the Niners at 10-1, and but uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all because the Bills are a good team if they come away with the win uh, in this one. But everything being as it is, I like the Eagles. <laughs> Finally, on Monday Night Football, the Bears at the Vikings. All biases aside, because, you know, obviously the Bears are my squad. But I'm intrigued by this game to see what team, to see what Bears team and which Justin Fields show up to this game on Monday. Because we've seen on more than one occasion, in wins and losses, what this team is capable of. We've seen... In three of his last four performances, Justin Field play lights out football. Four touchdowns, one pick against the um, Broncos, 330-plus yards uh, in that one. Uh, three touchdowns, no picks in against the 
Commanders on Thursday night football. And then, uh, you know, his performance uh, against the uh, Lions. Only 170 yards passing, but he threw the touchdown pass. He ran for 104 yards to lead all rushers uh, in the game, showing, you know, flashes of his 2022 uh, self. But the problem is consistency hasn't been there on a week-in to week-out basis. And the Bears are playing the team that knocked Fields out five weeks ago. So will Luke Getze do a better job of protecting Fields from Flores and the Blitz? Because I'm sure they're probably going to be dialing up something new, uh, you know, a different way to, you know, send pressure uh, and things like that. Or will Getze just put him out there and be like, yeah, you're going to get hit on this play. Just make sure you get rid of the ball first. Uh, you know, kind of thing. It just, it it blows my mind, man. It really does. So, you know, w- but which team is going to show up on, on Monday night? Will it be the one that dominated for the first 56 minutes against Detroit or the one that pissed it away in the last four minutes? You know, I'm really, that's what really has me uh, intrigued and why I wanted to go a little bit more in depth with this one than, uh, you know, than any other game in the, in the all-out blitz. So the Vikings are still playing almost exclusively one score games. You know, they're six and five and they're five and five in the one score games. The only non one score game was their win over uh, Green Bay a few weeks ago. Unfortunately, that was the game where they lost Kirk Cousins uh, for the season with the Achilles injury. But one random, uh, you know, late trade on, at, on the trade deadline brings in Josh Dobbs and he's been the hero uh, for the last few weeks. So. You know, they lost on the final drive uh, to Denver uh, last week when, when Wilson hit Cortland Sutton for that touchdown. Uh, otherwise, they're 3-0, and they're 7-4, and they're, you know, in the playoffs right now. Well, I mean, they are in the playoffs right now. They're the seventh seed uh, in the NFC uh, at the moment. So this is a game they need to win. They want to complete the season sweep uh, of the Bears, which I think would be like the third or fourth year in a row that they've swept us. And, um, you know... But the, the, the real question is on as to how this game will turn out is to which Bears team is going to show up, which Justin Fields is going to show up. Is it going to be the one that was laser-focused, making awesome reads, great throws, timely runs, uh, and everything against the Lions? Uh, you know, the one that was, you know, laser-focused against the Commanders and the uh, Broncos? Or will it be the guy that looked like he was kind of pissing it down his leg in the first matchup against the Vikings because he was under constant pressure? Will it be the same guy that was that, that blew the fourth quarter lead uh, against the uh, Broncos uh, and things like that? So, which Justin Fields is going to show up? Which Bears team uh, will show up? And you know, because in this first matchup, it was actually a defensive touchdown by the Vikings that was the difference in this one. Because this is kind of when Eberflus was really starting to get his feet underneath him, or maybe actually all the credit should go to Phil Snow, that defensive analyst that they hired. Um, you know, to kind of quote unquote replace Allen Williams. He's helping out with the defensive game plan uh, and everything. So maybe he's out there seeing things that uh, were being missed before. That I saw that mentioned in an article. I was like, oh, right. I forgot about that guy because it's Eberflus calling the plays uh, during the game. So the, the, you know, the responsibility and the praise goes with him. And the defense has really been playing well since that commander or since the, uh, yeah, since the commander's game. You know, five sacks in that in that game, two, three turnovers. And technically, the defense only allowed 12 points uh, against the Vikings in that game because it was the other, it was the defensive scoop and score touchdown that the offense gave up. That was the difference in that game. Otherwise, it's a 13-12 to 12 win for the Bears. 
not a 19 to 13 uh, loss in that one. So can the defense do this? Because they got Justin Jefferson back, or at least they, it looks like they might uh, get him back. But now Kirk Cousins is gone. Josh Dobbs is there. Is he more dangerous than Kirk Cousins? Because he actually runs uh, the ball. So, I mean, it's all kinds of different uh, questions, and that's why this one was, uh, was really intriguing to me. Can the Bears win this game? Again, <laughs> it depends on which team shows up. This is the hell that is being a Bears fan right now because you just want to be able to definitively say yes or no because, you know, for me it depends. If the team that showed up against in Detroit for the first, you know, three and three quarters of the game, yes, probably easily beat the uh, Vikings. Are you kidding me? You know, forced four turnovers. Uh, you know, Justin Fields did not turn the ball over, at least not until the very end when he got strip-sacked by Aiden Hutchinson. But, you know, it was a mistake-free game as far as that goes. We weren't killing ourselves uh, with penalties. In fact, it was the, the, the Lions who were, who were hurting themselves with penalties from time to time. But, you know, we weren't killing ourselves and where we, you know, uh, Roshan Johnson's got a 20-yard run, but it's coming back because there was a holding penalty and stuff. That didn't really happen on Sunday. So the Bears played smart, disciplined football, but they played not to lose in the final minutes of the fourth quarter, and you just you walk into a losing situation every single time you do that. So if the team that, that dominated 56 minutes shows up, if Ibrahim finds his balls in the situation at the end of the game where he plays to win as opposed to playing not to lose, the Bears can absolutely win this game. Will they? No. No. I just... I don't trust them. I, I just do not trust them. And like I said, this is the hell that is being a Bears fan right now. You know what this team is capable of, but they're stingy with the consistency. So can they do it two weeks in a row? I have yet to see it, which is why I have to go with the Vikings to win the game on Monday. <laughs> so there you have it, guys. That is the Week 12 preview for the fourth phase in all 16 matchups for this week's schedule. Enjoy uh, your Thanksgiving or whatever you guys celebrate overseas. I'm, 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 I'm thankful on this day of thanks to have you guys listening to the show, even though you're probably not celebrating anything right now. So enjoy the games on Thursday and Friday. Enjoy the games on Sunday. Say a prayer for my Bears on Monday to uh, pull out a win, and uh, you know I'll happily give away however many points I give to the Vikings in the confidence pool and, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But come back tomorrow on Friday when our good friend Chris Gates from SB Nation's Daily Norseman will join us to preview Bears-Vikings Week 12 on Monday Night Football. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase, and we will see you next time.